Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Well, thank you so very, very much, Kevra. Hey, welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem, America. Now, today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Emmy Award-winning journalist, Fox 5 Good Day New York, Crystal Young. She's a writer, producer, and now a reporter with her own show called Crystal's New York. So, it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say Crystal Young is What's Hot. I love that intro. That intro is hot. You do, huh? <laughs> well, hey, you know, I'll, uh, you know, for a fee, I'll, I'll record one for you. You could take around <laughs> with you and wherever you make an appearance, you just tell them, you know, play that. And, uh, you know. I love you'll it. You'll be good to go. So how you doing, Crystal? Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America. Well, thank you. I am doing well. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Always busy, but it's a good busy. Well, speaking of busy, this mm-hmm. morning you were down in Times Square. What was going on down there? Wow. Well, what wasn't going on in Times Square is the easier question to answer. Because, you know, <laughs> there's, there's always multiple things going on in Times Square. Well, first, let me say, as a native New Yorker, I am really glad that Times Square is getting back to normal. Now, as a journalist, even a year ago, when we thought we were kind of really coming out of the pandemic, and then, of course, that was before the Delta variant, I've done tons of stories, you know, we're coming back. But I can tell you that at the height of the pandemic, I stood in the middle of 42nd Street, and for at least a minute and a half, no cars passed by me, no buses, (laughs) no people. It was actually creepy. There's an energy (laughs) to Times Square that was not there. And I have to say now, you walk through Times Square and you're like, pandemic, what? There's still a lot of people with masks on because New York got hit hard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we haven't taken the mask off and thrown it in the air like Mary Tyler Moore in her show. Um, (laughs) But... There's definitely an energy back. There are people back. All the little characters are back. There's the naked cowboy, Dora the Explorer, Batman. Wait, wait, wait. the naked cowboy's out in the cold? Because it's like, it's cold out today. That should be a story, right? The naked cowboy. Yes. And, 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 and for those who don't know who he is, and if you Google him, he would come right up. But he has cowboy boots. He has little tidy whities on. No shirt. <laughs> And a cowboy hat, and he is strumming on a guitar, and he is out there even when it's 40 degrees. So, yes, he is, he is out there in Times Square. And, and, and for those uh, who are out of town and out, out of the country who are, who are listening to us right now, the, uh, the Naked Cowboy has been doing this for years. Yes. I mean, years. Yes. And, uh, and, and now there's a naked uh, cowgirl out there, but she's not completely naked, I believe. I think I, when I was walking past, uh, I was walking in Times Square uh, a while back, but I don't think she's completely the color of the naked cowgirl. And, uh, you know, I, I think, she, you know, in, in New York City, your you're, women are allowed to, to be, uh, you know. Topless. Uh, yeah, topless. And I, and I think yes. she has on the, the pasties, you know, to uh, she does. And let me uh, tell you, she needs a cloak. She needs to just cover up. <laughs> she-, <laughs> she needs a coat. She needs a jacket. She needs a tunic. She needs <laughs> she needs something that is right so first of all when she's out there she is stopping traffic people are stopping and looking but here is my analogy you know when i was so much younger and you would hear about nude beaches you 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 would conjure up these images of people that look like they jumped out of magazines and you know the men have six packs and the women look like runway models and then you go to the nude beach and you are searching for your shades faster than you can say, oh, no, what am I looking at? I mean, is everything hanging, swinging, stretch marking? 
<laughs> well, now, 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 you just told on yourself. So, which beach oh. do you go to? Oh, uh, not the naked one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, actually, I went to a naked beach in Martha's Vineyard and, you know, Martha's Vineyard is five separate towns and there's one called Gayhead. And so there's a very famous naked beach on Gayhead. But I am telling you, you know, I should make a million dollars selling clothing because. (laughs) Well, 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 you are considered to be a fashionista. So, you know, if, if you went out there with your fashions, maybe, you know, there you go. There you go. Right. It's not going to look like a, you know, giant T-shirt or like a sheet with a hole cut in it. It would be cute, but you would be able to cover up. But to answer your story, two of I mean, to answer your question, two of them, um, my favorite beach in New York City is Robert Moses. And I'm very clear about why it's my favorite beach. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite beach because you have to put in a little bit more effort to get to it. And a lot of people don't put in that effort. And so it makes it a little less crowded, a little cleaner, a little more pristine. It is in line with Jones Beach on Long Island. And so here's another thing about Jones Beach, that Jones Beach is easy because buses come from the city to Jones Beach. So Mm -hmm. the average person that wants to do the beach and doesn't have a car says, oh, well, we could just get on that in 45 and get to Jones Beach. But then once you get to Jones, you have to go another 20 minutes, cross a causeway, and then you're at Robert Moses. And so that extra effort separates Mm -hmm. the men from the boys. But you will find that there are days that Jones Beach, people are piled up like, you know, a football huddle. And then you'll go that 20 minutes and Robert Moses, easy, quiet, more mellow, great sand. So there you have it. Now, let me circle back to what I was doing in Times Square because you asked me that and then we and we got off on a tangent. Yeah, that um, was 40 minutes ago. <laughs> but uh, but go ahead. <laughs> well, well, let me tell you, G. Keith, all of my friends, when they call me, they have to get in the reason why they call me very quick in the conversation. Uh, uh, other than that, you know, we're like an hour and 15 minutes in and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't even ask what I wanted to ask. And I'm like, well, girl, get it in. I can't help you. You have the gate with it. And I'll answer the question. Well, once it turns, you know, the horse is on the track going in that direction. Well, see, uh, that, and, and before you answer that question, uh-huh. uh, 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 that reminds me of we were at Vi Higginson's Champions Dinner the other night. Uh-huh. And I, I, think I said two or three words to you and you were gone. I mean, you were like, you it was like, you know, the conversation was like, you were telling me everything, Crystal. I mean, I, so it is hard to get a word in edgewise, but that's good. That's all right. That, that's okay. So, so now <laughs> tell me about <laughs> what you're getting ready to say before I forget. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You you have rendered me speechless. Enjoy, enjoy that those moments of silence. Just just put, <laughs> just putting that out there. Um, so I was doing a live shot for Fox Five New York in front of Stranger Things, um, which is a show on Netflix that a lot of people watch. Mm-hmm. So it has a huge following, young people and older people. Um, it mm-hmm. is set in the fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana, in the nineteen eighties. And mm-hmm. it all these kind of crazy mm-hmm. supernatural things happen. But Netflix decided to take an empty storefront right next to the Lion King on Broadway. So literally right on 42nd Street and mm-hmm. open up this pop up store. So it's what everyone is calling these days an immersive experience. Now, let's talk about that for a minute, because this word immersive, I don't know where it came <laughs> from, but we are really, really overusing it. Like every press release I get asking me to come up, it's immersive, it's immersive. Well, what does that mean? So that basically means that you walk in, there's lots of cool things to buy that all relate to stranger things. But then there are rooms that you can go in and you hit buttons and doors open. And, you know, immersive basically means you can come take some cool photos and sometimes cool things happen. And in the 21st century, I find that everybody um, likes these experiences where you go in and there's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, like here's a, for instance, I gave a yo-yo 
to my friend's son and he was five. And so I'm like thinking, okay, he's probably going to be new to this, blah, 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 but I'm going to teach him some fun stuff on the yo-yo. And so he looked at it and he's like, what does it do? And I was like, it's a yo-yo, you know, you go up and down, you do. He was very unimpressed because it didn't have, you know, 14 batteries and lights and spin around. So now people really want to be engaged and these immersive experiences are how you do it. And it's a free place that you walk into. All you have to do is sign up online for crowd control. Um, but there's a lot of people and mm-hmm. people will leave them with smiles. You know, a little less money in their pocket, but with smiles. So God bless. But they're leaving with smiles. They're leaving with a smile. You got it. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Harlem, America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Harlem, America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. America, where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You're listening to Harlem America. Talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to apologize for the little gremlins that uh, run through the Internet. And it was not because Crystal Young was uh, talking faster than the Internet was able to flow. <laughs> it's just that the, the Internet, uh, somehow we had a little bad connection. So I'm holding my cell phone uh, nearby just to make sure that uh, Crystal and I are still in communication. So, Crystal, uh, you know, I usually get a, get a chance to ask people this uh, at the top of the show, and, uh, but I didn't get a chance to ask <laughs> this particular <laughs> show. Uh, uh, let's take the Wayback Machine, okay? Uh, yes. T- tell me what life was like uh, for young Crystal Young. Okay, wait, so how young? Young, 10 years old young? Young, 18 young? Because Crystal Young will always be young, so I'm going to need you to be specific. (laughs) Okay, all right. Good point. Okay, so Crystal Young, when you can think of something that uh, in your early life that was impactful for you, that uh, gave you some sense of direction or or, or who you are or, or whatever. Okay. All right. That's a good one. So first of all, um, I always knew that I wanted to be in TV and I wasn't one of these people that decided somewhere along the way by default that that would work for me. But I'll tell you why. Because I always had the gift of gab. I'm sure you will not find that (laughs) shocking. Um, You know, I think I slid out of the womb talking. Um, My father used to say you approach everything with an open mouth as opposed to an open mind. Um, and when I was four years old, my mother said, oh man, you talk a lot. Like all I could tell you is whatever you do in life, if you use your mouth, you will always make a really good living. So, um, I thought that she meant maybe I could sing. And I don't know if you know this, but I am um, related to Diana Ross, my mother's maiden name, Ross, Joy Ross, and, um, part of the Ross clan, but so she's my cousin. Um, But the apple fell very, very far from the tree in the case of my immediate family in a different orchard. So I have two (laughs) sisters and um, and people. One time we were on a flight somewhere and someone said, are you guys singers? And I said, oh, in the shower. But like not the kind that you would pay for. Not that kind of singer. So (laughs) cannot sing. But for whatever reason, when I was about eight years old, I saw some documentary on Barbara Streisand. And I distinctly remember they said that she had this gorgeous voice and she wouldn't really sing for anyone because she was nervous. And so she did this thing where she took two of her aunts and her mother and she said, I want you to listen to me sing, but I want you to turn your back. Don't look at me. And I'm just going to sing a song and then I want you to tell me what you think, but I don't want you to make me nervous. And so when she finished the song, they had tears in their eyes. And of course, she has an amazing voice. So I just thought, you know, you don't know if you try. I, I talk a lot. I could be a singer, too. Right. So I found myself a song or two and I practiced and I tried to do that on my immediate family. And can I tell you, I think my dad might have really literally fell off the couch laughing. <laughs> All I tell you is, my mother was like, oh, oh, let me tell you, you have many gifts, many, many, but singing isn't one of them. And you are going to have to develop other aspects of your personality because, girlfriend, you can't sing. And I come from that type of family. They're just going to give it to you straight. You know, like, it's not like, oh, baby, we're going to get you some lessons. My mother was like, oh, no, no, no. Um, so I tried musical things, you know, the, the clarinet, I mean, come on, who can't hook the clarinet, Mm. right? The harmonica, I am not Stevie Wonder. I mean, I tried a (laughs) bunch of different things to see what would stick. And I have to say to my mom's credit, she was one of those, but you know, her daughters had tennis lessons and we had swimming lessons and, you know, she wanted to at least expose you to it and see what stuck. And um, I'm, I'm notoriously uncoordinated. So believe it or not, as a little kid, I could do gymnastics and ballet, but more because it's kind of about you as an individual and not a team sport. If it was a team sport, I would be all the way in the back, like the last person to get picked, like forget about it. So I, I started to really use the process of elimination. And then for a minute, I thought, you know, maybe I could be a doctor except for every time I went to a hospital for any reason, I couldn't wait to leave. 
Even if I was going to like the happy baby floor, I was like, where's the exit? This is bringing me down. And then I realized that doctors had to wear lab coats over their fabulous clothing. And then you couldn't see it. And then let's round out that my average in math was like a 62. So I remember being in maybe like ninth grade and my teacher said, I want to speak to you after class. I said, okay. So he said, if I could pass you based on your personality, uh, you would get an A plus, but your actual average is a 62. And unless you want to be in summer school, you better step it up and figure it out. But this is where I got lost. I got lost at the imaginary numbers because I remember saying to him, well, I can't add the ones I could see. Are they imaginary? What? I'm just out of the game, right? So math, no bueno, but I didn't go to summer school. Um, science, I blew up a beaker in chemistry, and wow. that, that was that. So I just figured out using my gift wasn't going to be singing, and it definitely wasn't going to be the sciences, you know, the left side of your brain and the right side, or whatever right. that mathematical side is. That, that shut off. I'm the creative side. So bing, 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 television, current events, talking, you stay up on things. Somewhere in there, I figured out before college, that's for me. And I never looked back. Well, thank you for that journey. <laughs> <laughs> I have tears in my eyes. I've been laughing so much. Uh, okay, so uh, when I first uh, became aware of you, we were both working at Fox 5 TV, the local, Fox 5 yeah. local. All right, so uh, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the McCrary Report, and, uh, and, and, and we got a couple of Emmy nominations. But now you uh, were a PA when, when I was there, and how now did you become who you are? Okay, so that is a very succinct answer. Hard work, hard work. That's exactly it. So I am from the slow cooker scenario in life, okay? So I'm, I'm more of a late bloomer, despite the fact that I knew what I wanted to do. You know, I wasn't one of these people that somebody tapped on their shoulder when they were 21 and they're like, hey, you are lovely. You are just gonna be on TV. That was not me at all. I started as a production assistant doing all the very not fun things. I ripped scripts. I did whatever you asked me to. Luckily, it never fell into the category of, you know, can you get the coffee and get the lunch kind of thing. But the production assistant is really the lowest man on the totem pole in the TV station that is doing production related work. There is zero glory and you are not on TV. And so my trajectory was I came in as a PA and then I was on the assignment desk. And so the assignment desk is where you figure out what the news is and how you're going to cover it. And that actually is a lot of fun in a city like New York because there's a lot to do. Now, you know, really tiny, tiny, tiny city, maybe not. New York, there's always something going on in a borough somewhere that's worth checking out. So you have to figure out, though, you know, is it worth a reporter? Is it a huge big deal? You know, do we not care at all? Um, and, and you talk to police and fire departments to find out, you know, what's going on. We all collaborate. Uh, but that's how I figured out how to figure out what a real story was and how to set it up. And that's key. So after that, I wanted to write. And I went to my boss and I said, I want to write. And he goes, well, what do you know about writing? And I said, nothing. Hmm. But but I am not going to get a sued and I am going to practice, 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 not to go to Carnegie Hall, but to write. And when I'm ready, you let me know. And so he liked that. And he said, OK. And I've saved some of the things I wrote when I first started writing and they're God awful. But <laughs> I, I chuckled because that's part of the trajectory. Um, so I started writing. Then I started producing and then I was on air. And so literally I had easily five, six jobs in the newsroom. But the thing that I like about the way that I came up in TV is that I understand so many aspects of it. You know, I've gone out on stories. I've been inside. I've been around during big stories. Like, you know, I've collaborated with editors. I, can, I, I laugh and I tell my boss, I'm the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. And I really am. <laughs> Most of my stories... I come up with the concept. I figure out how to cover it and what what needs to be in it. 
I log the script, I write the script, and then I present it on air. So, I, but, and here's the one thing I like about that. I like the singular kind of scenario. I'm not great in big team sort of things because I feel like if you love it, come tell me you love it because it's all me. Now, if you hate it, it's all me too. You know, you, then, then, then you're going to say, okay, what were you thinking? And I can't go, well, it was his idea, you know? <laughs> When it's your idea, it's your idea, and you have to stand behind it. But it's made me very well-rounded in TV, and now I do a lot of features. You know, people a lot of times will walk up to people in television, and when you're standing next to a camera person, they'll be like, what happened? You know, and and they naturally assume it's something negative, especially in a city like New York. You know, is there a shooter? Is there a fire? What happened? Um, But I love that I am always able to say, if you see me, Check the water main break off your list. Okay, check the fire off your list. Check the press conference off your list. It won't be any of that. It will probably be something interesting to do in New York, and that fits me. Native New Yorker, I'm good with it. Okay, so that was a long way around telling me what you got the Emmy for. Oh, okay, so... Um, so I have two bookends, right? You know, I'm not going to buy a shelf just yet. Maybe next year I'll get the shelf, okay. you know, or I still have to dust part of the shelf, you know. Um, but I got the Emmy for a piece that I did about Weeksville. Do you know what Weeksville is? If not, we're about no. to educate people in a really good way. No. Do you not know? No. Okay. So one of the camera guys at Fox came to me mm-hmm. and said, I saw this article on this place in Brooklyn called Weeksville. You have to do this for Black History Month. And I was like, what? what? What's a Weeksville, right? So then I had to educate myself. So Weeksville was one of the first communities of color to be free in America. And it's in Brooklyn, not far from like Bed-Stuy now. And it's a, it's a whole little area. Well, what was very interesting about Weeksville is the first Black doctor in America came from Weeksville. When you Google it, there's a lot of firsts there. But what's really interesting is there's three old homes. Two are from the 1800s. One is from the early 1900s that never got destroyed that are now landmarked in Brooklyn as part of this Weeksville community. And essentially how how this was discovered was there was a Pratt University professor Mm -hmm. that was talking about black people after slavery and what happened in America. And he took a helicopter ride with several of his students over this area and discovered that these homes had not been knocked down. So it was a long battle with New York city to get it landmarked, but he got it Mm -hmm. landmarked. And now there's a brand new building next to it called like the Weeksville center that tells the story of Weeksville and the, kinds of people that live there. But what's cool is that you can tour those homes. So they have people that come in, it's free. And, you, you know, I want a little tour and they'll walk you through those old homes and they are set up the way they would have been in, you know, 1895. There's outhouses in the back of some of them, you know, those old heavy iron irons. I mean, you literally are stepping back in time. And the last house of the three, which is the most modern, actually has photos, uh, real photos of actual people that lived in those homes that were part of the Weeksville community. Um, But it's a very cool story and a very sweet landmark spot. And I discovered that there are people that live six, seven blocks from that area and don't know what it is and have never heard of it. Really? Wow. Meeksville. Week. W-E-E-K. W-E-E-K. Oh, Week. Oh. Week. Weeksville. Yes, Weeksville. It is a very, very interesting story. And so essentially, I went... I told the story. I walked through all of the homes. You know, this historian is pointing out what's what and why it's relevant. Um, We got photos of some of the people that came through Weeksville. And it was just such a source of pride for me. And when people love that piece, I felt so good. And in the end, for my first Emmy to be something that really was important and important to me made me feel good. Because a lot of times what happens with Emmys is 
there's something that you love and you're like, yes, and this was life changing and fantastic. And it doesn't win. And then you win for like the frivolous thing, you know, like, you know, a skinny jeans dead, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so at least I didn't win for skinny jeans. Although the real answer is they're not dead because you can do whatever you want. Um, but yeah, no, I won for Weeksville, which is which is very cool. Oh, that's beautiful. So, um, all right. Now, you have been producing your own shows also. you got a show called Crystals New York. Now, what is that about? Okay. So, so I'm always talking in my live shots and to everyone I know. You know, I'm a native New Yorker. I love New York, and I really do. I'm one of these people, when I cross a bridge and I see the skyline, I'm like, oh, New York. And, <laughs> And I have to say, even during the pandemic, when people were like, I'm leaving, I'm out of here, I'd be like, goodbye. Bye, Felicia. We'll just have seven million New Yorkers instead of eight. Now I'll get a seat on the train. Toodles. I can hold the door for you. <laughs> Serious. And here's the thing. I was like, well, where are you going? They're so hot and happening and there is no pandemic because then maybe I'll go with you. But if you're going to South Jersey, bye. Okay. Um, so at any rate, South Jersey, I love you. Okay. No shade to Jersey, but anyway, um, I, so I've just always loved New York. You know, my dad grew up in Washington Heights. He used to swim in the Hudson. Now, you know, that was in 1902. Um, but always had a connection to New York city, blah, blah, blah. So I started this half hour show called crystals, New York about a year and a half ago. And literally it was just chock full of it's a half hour long things that mm -hmm. I think you know about in New York City. And it's a little bit of everything. It's places to eat, it's you know, places to take your wife for your anniversary, it's things to do, some stuff that's free, exhibits, just things around town. And it turned into a huge success. And so the last one I did was in July, around July 4th. And we aired that show three times. So it aired 9.30 a.m. to 10. 5.30 p.m. to 6, so they were shortening the newscast to have that half hour, and then 10.30 p.m. to 11. And people were calling in, who is this Crystal? She is fabulous. I didn't get that list. So I'd be like, what list? But, you know, they thought there was a, like a list of things to do. Um, for no exaggeration, a couple of weeks, people called to find out about some of the things that I featured because they missed it. Or, you know, can you put the list on the Internet, which I wound up doing. But none of the things that I talk about are things that people have paid me to talk about. You know, it, it might be things that I discovered on a story. It might be things that were on good day in some form. But it's basically his New York, not really even city, state. His New York state. And here's some stuff to do. Have at it. And tell me if you found something in all that that you loved. And people are very verbal about it. They will hit me up. I, I tried that. I went there. I bought that. Thank you so much. Um, so I love it. I have another one that's coming up on well, Fox well, wait, 5. Wait, 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 before you go to the next one, because I know it's going to take us. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I just want to let that that uh, you're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And the person that's doing all the talking <laughs> is Crystal Young. <laughs> from Fox 5, Good Day, New York. Uh, and uh, we've got about uh, two minutes before we go to break, and I just want to remind folks that we've got some wonderful articles at harlemamerica.com, uh, and we've got some wonderful podcasts and some TV shows at harlemamerica.com, and uh, you'll be able to catch Crystal if, if uh, you, know, you want to re-listen to this broadcast. You can go and, and catch Crystal. She'll be a podcast uh, on HarlemAmerica.com. So we're, uh, we're, we're going to take a short break to give Crystal a chance to, uh, to rest a moment. <laughs> and then we'll be right back with more Crystal Young on Harlem <laughs> America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be right back. The Foxworth Theory is what you need now. Hosted by Eugenia Foxworth. Each show brings a unique guest from many walks of life, 
From authors and entertainers to artists, fashion, music, and business, you never know what your takeaway will be, but you'll definitely learn something new. It's a whole new type of talk show. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Harlem America Digital Network and the Voice America Variety Channel. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out, check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Thank you so very much, Kevra. And for those of you who are listening and those who will be watching when we put this up on our TV channel, uh, the reason why I'm holding this uh, cell phone to my face is because uh, we had some gremlins uh, in the uh, mix and the Zoom uh, went out with the audio. So uh, in order for us to be able to uh, uh, receive all that Crystal has to give us, we needed to uh, put the uh, cell phone into action. So Crystal Young from Fox 5 New York. Uh, Crystal. What yes. have you, have you given up anything? Have you, um, uh, is there anything that you would do differently? Uh, uh, is there anything that uh, maybe you had to give up to become who you are? Wow. Um, well, let's see. I didn't give up integrity. I never gave up sex. Um, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so true, though. I'm like, yo. If you try to Harvey Weinstein me, I am out faster than you were like, how does she run with those six inch heels on? And which way did she go? Okay. So never had to give up that. Um, but you know what? It's funny. I've, I've worked a lot of holidays. I've worked just, I, you know, I remember my mom was a teacher. And I remember one day she was like, well, it's, well, it's Veterans Day. Why don't you have this off? And I was like, mom, I don't have off Memorial Day. I don't have off Christmas. I don't have off Thanksgiving. That's just kind of the way TV is. So I feel like a long time ago, I had to accept that, that scenario that most people have of, you know, when we're vacationing and when we're off and you get to be home for, you know, big holidays, that that wasn't really going to be my life. And so I sucked it up. Um, but honestly, I have to stop myself from working seven days a week. And since the pandemic has started and we all sort of like looped in through laptops and you don't have to be physically at the station, it's a blessing and a curse. Because obviously if I'm in studio or I'm out in the street, then I have to go to where the action is. But a lot of times it'll be Saturday morning. I will have something I have to do, a, a piece I have to write or look at. And eight o'clock in the morning, I'll have my coffee cup on a Saturday and I'm giving Fox 5 my time and one's giving me a paycheck, but I'm getting stuff done. So I feel like you have to accept that hard work and dedication is just going to be part of the trajectory or you're going to flatline. And, you know, but there's so many good aspects to it. You know, I've gone places I never would have gone 
just because I've, you know, been in television. I've met people I never would have met just because I've been in television. And clearly, I'm a talker, talker in aisle five. Clearly, I'm a talker. Um, and so it's, it's just worked for me. You know, I was I was never the type of person that was nervous even to talk around people. Like, let me tell you, G. Keith, I had a racket when I was in fourth grade. We had to all talk in front of the teacher and people were urinating on themselves. I'm telling you, one kid almost passed out. So I thought, well, now this I can do. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to coach you, but you're going to have to give me all of your like allowance or like your lunch money. So I started coming home with these pockets full of money. And my mother would say, where are you getting this from? Cause I know I'm not giving it to you. And then, you know, then she found out about my racket, but I would coach kids <laughs> through talking scenarios and they would give me money, I, you know, early commerce. And then they would get an A, you know, they do well in class. So I feel like well, I'm, I'm using my gifts. Well, what is the greatest uh, uh, interview you've had thus far? I mean, you know, the, who, what, what, what guests have you had on that you've interviewed that, uh, you know, you, you think is just the best interview you could have ever had thus far? Okay. Okay. So this is interesting. I'll tell you one that pops in my mind and why it pops in my mind. Um, I interviewed Sissy Houston. And, you know, for those of you that don't know, Sissy Houston is a famous gospel singer and the mom of Whitney Houston. And um, Sissy can be very serious, not mean, but just very serious. And, and I already knew that going into the interview. But when I walked in to interview her, her assistant said, you know, she asked somebody to get her coffee. They didn't really get her coffee. I think she's not really feeling great today. So I just want to warn you, you know, like, be super kind and like smooth things over. So I'm like, okay, I got it. Um, I think one of the things that helped was the camera person, instead of sitting me where we're facing one another, um, we both sat on a couch next to one another. So it felt very, you know, kind of conversational, like you might already know me and we're just chatting. And so I'm asking her questions and we're talking and clearly there's things that I want to be sensitive to, even just the way that I phrase them. But we started really getting deep and I knew that she felt comfortable and she was really responding to everything I said. And at the very end of the interview, she said, I just want to stop you. And she grabbed me and like kind of squeezed my leg. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And she said, um, I want to say something. And I said, what? And she said, um, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. And you are not like anyone else who's ever interviewed me. And I feel like we really bonded and you were not like all the rest. And she got really teary eyed. And, and then I got a little teary eyed and she said, you know, there's something about you that reminds me of Whitney, but I'll tell you what she said about Whitney. And she said, I've never, ever, ever said this to anyone before. So when I was just asking her about missing Whitney and how often she thinks about her, and, you know, and obviously her answer was, you know, I think about Whitney every day and in all kinds of ways, you know, I can hear her voice or, you know, she said Whitney had such a generous spirit and she would constantly give people things. And I would say, stop doing that. Like, you know, she said someone would compliment a ring she had on and Whitney would just take it off and go, do you really like this ring? And they'd say yes. And she you can have it. And so she said, you know, she was generous almost to a fault. But she said, I knew that Whitney was going to be special when she was really a baby in the bassinet. So I said, okay, in what way? So she said she was three days old and I was just having a quiet moment and I walked into the room and I'm staring down into the bassinet and I got this overwhelming feeling that she would do amazing, amazing things in life. I didn't know what kind of things, but amazing things in life. And then the very next feeling was a feeling that she would die too soon and die young. And wow, she said- really. I never said that to anybody because I thought that it just sounded so depressing that people would say like, why would you say that? Or why would you think that? Why would you feel that? And, or maybe they would say it's postpartum, but she said, at any rate, it was just a crazy feeling that I had. And I wait and I let it pass. And in the end, somehow I feel like it came true. And the room was just silent. You know, we all were like, wow, wow. Um, what a story. Yeah. 
So that was definitely an interview that in the end, just, you know, we bonded. I loved it. And I posted on Instagram this really sweet photo of the two of us sitting together. And my head is kind of like leaning down on her. And, you know, you could have glaucoma and you could go, those two people got along. You know, like, <laughs> like I, I can see the zhuzh there, you know, because that's one thing that you can never fake is chemistry. You either have it with someone or you don't. And, um, you know, I think I was so excited because I felt like I had gotten not even so much emotion out of her, but, you know, I went into it like thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope I don't say anything ridiculous and that, you know, it's a good interview. And in the end, it was a good interview in spades, like times 40, you know, and so. Long live Sissy Houston. God bless. She is still around and still doing McDonald's Gospel Fest. And she's still oh, a really? choir director. Yeah. Yeah. She's still a choir director in um, in the same church in Newark that Whitney came up in. And so she's, you know, she's doing her thing. That's fantastic. Well, God bless her because she's certainly been through a lot. Yes. Um, so, she has been through uh, a lot. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Crystal Young from Fox 5, Good Day, New York. And um, she's my special guest today. And uh, I don't have to do too much work because uh, Crystal is, is uh, uh, well, she's telling her life story. And, 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 and that's good. That's what what's Hot Harlem America is here for, for folks to open up and, uh, and have a whole power to kind of express themselves. And, and, and Crystal, you're doing a great job. Uh, is there anyone that you'd like to uh, interview you haven't interviewed yet? Oh, that is a good one. Who do I want to interview? Well, wait, here's a couple of honorable mentions that I have interviewed that I'm going to a- answer that. Um, Viola Davis, lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely interviewed her. We bonded. I love now that she let her hair grow natural. And I said, your hair looks fabulous. And she's like, thank you. And so I said, my producer said, you know, you should just put your hands in her hair and squeeze it just a little. And so she <laughs> and leaned back and she's like, girl, now you know you know better. And I was like, I like my no do that. I'm just I'm just paying you the compliment, but I I know not to stick my fingers in anybody else's hair. She's like, okay, that's good, that's good. Um, Elton John was lovely. It was a red carpet scenario, and I was right down at the end of the red carpet, and so he comes through all these people, and a lot of times this will happen in a red carpet where they'll get down to the end, and then the publicist will say, you know, we don't have any more time, but we have to go in now, you know, and so. The publicist was just about to rip him away. We have to go in now as soon as he got to me, right? And so he goes, oh, no, oh, no. I have to talk to her because she was giving me this laser energy from 50 feet away when I was all the way in the corner. (laughs) And he was like, oh, no, I'm going to talk to her and then we'll go in. And he answered all my questions. And um, and yeah, and it was all good. It was all good. Just recently, I did the Met Gala. And that was really interesting. I have to say, so much more fun if you're J-Lo and you're on the, you know, I am fabulous and people are screaming my name side of the red carpet. You know, I was on the side of the red carpet where I basically had to set myself on fire to get anybody to come over to me. (laughs) But you know what? It was working. It was working. Anna Wintour, who everyone famously knows, you know, is the editor-in-chief of Vogue. She's the first person always on that Met Gala red carpet. And so she starts it all off. And there's a north side and a south side. So where am I? I'm on the side. Nobody's checking for, right? (laughs) So as soon as I got there, I said, oh, wait a minute. Am I in the ghetto? What is up with this? Okay, but I just thought, I am not going to let all these stars pass by and no one's going to walk over to me. So when Anna walked up the steps, she was set to ignore the side that I was on. I was looking at her back. She's talking to everybody else. And so I literally just said, well, I'm just going to scream my name out until she wants me to stop so bad she'll come over. So I literally just cocked my head back. I was like, Anna! I think she really only came over because she just wanted to silence me. And when she did, it worked. And I got my little interview. Um, and it was fabulous. It was fabulous. 
Beautiful, yes. beautiful. Well, we're winding down now. We've got uh, about three minutes left. I just want to say that, you know, I attended the Met Gala a couple of times back in the 80s before it became so celebrity intensive. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, and, uh, but uh, I haven't been invited back since. Speaking of red <laughs> carpet now, are you going to be on the red carpet for the Soul Train Music Awards? Uh, uh, the red carpet is tomorrow. They're taping the show. You know what? I am not going to be on the red carpet. The only reason why is because the show that I work on is so topical that things that happen on the weekend, by the time you go to cover them on Monday, since it's a Monday through Friday show, people are like, oh, all right, wait, didn't that already happen? Um, but, you know, and you know what? I Believe it or not, I don't love red carpets, like all that pushing and shoving and, you know, I got to get in front of you to get the interview. Um, you know, I like to just lay back and 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 have people be drawn in by my energy or my really loud screaming. Either one. I got you. I got you. Well, <laughs> Harlem America is going to be out there tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be not on the red carpet, but we'll be near the red carpet with my camera crew because you know it's happening in Harlem. This is a big event, so if it's all about Harlem, Harlem America's got to be there. Crystal. This has been wonderful. Uh, I'm glad that you found the time to, to join us here on What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We've got a minute left. Is there anything that you can say in five seconds? Oh, good night. <laughs> good morning. Goodbye. How's that? But like, beyond that, not a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so very, very much. And uh, you have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walked a mile in his or her shoes. And, uh, well, we'll see you again next Friday. Oh, I, I do want to say check out uh, our new uh, show. It's called The Foxworth Theory on HarlemAmerica.com. See you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Take that, take Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.